Hello and welcome back to the Ireland Football Fans Podcast. I'm Joseph McCarthy from the Irish Abroad website. I'm joined again by Mark Kennedy from Hawkeye Psychic and Philip Flanagan from the Bottomless Pit of Football. Lads, how are we doing? All good, Joe. Hi, lads. Yeah, all good. Ireland are on their longest goalless streak since the days of Martin O'Neill. We've failed to score in our, our last four games in a row and Kenny has become the first manager to fail to score in four consecutive competitive internationals. That maybe sounds a little bit worse than it is because we don't replay four consecutive competitive games. It's usually a friendly mixed in there. And on Thursday, we're going to be facing the old enemy, England, for the first time since we played them in a friendly at Aviva Stadium uh, under Martin O'Neill. Uh, Stephen Kenny's squad hasn't had any shocks or surprise call-ups in it. We see the return of Captain Seamus Coleman after injury and the return of James Collins uh, after his scoring five times this season for Luton Town. Mark, the game was organised at relatively short notice when both football associations realised it was probably better given the current situation that travel will be kept to a minimum. And since all of our players, bar Jack Byrne, are based in England anyway, it was easier to have them come to Wembley instead of going to Bosnia for the previously arranged fixture. I'm not looking forward to this game on Thursday. England's recent results at home have been spectacular and and free scoring. I don't think it's going to end well. What did you think when you saw the squad and what are your predictions for the game on Thursday night? Yeah, I mean, it's a daunting fixture, uh, Joe. Well, I suppose New Zealand were initially tabled to face England at Wembley, but I think just due to the St. Arden and their policy in New Zealand over COVID, that fixture is never going to fly. So, hence, FA needed a game before the Icelandic Nations League game. But that's, I think, under threat as well, I think, is in Iceland playing Denmark and, and all that politics. But it, besides the point, like the squad, there's no precious few surprises. I suppose the the marquee headline for me was the retirement of David McGoldrick um, immediately before the squad selection. We can give kudos to him probably later on in the podcast. But apart from that, I suppose squad is pretty consistent. It'd be interesting to see if Stephen Kenny and the management do, like Kenny has been hinting of a Coleman Doherty in the same starting lineup. I'd be fascinated to see how that goes. And also because of Ender Stevens' withdrawal from the side due to injury gives an opportunity for someone else to kind of fill that uh, full-back position. So, all in all, it's a daunting task because you wouldn't know what Gareth Southgate, their last friendly against Wales, he played an awful lot of guys on the outside of the squad. And I'd be more worried for Ireland if Gareth Southgate approaches the game in the same manner that he faced against the Welsh, where guys that have an awful lot to gain from good performances come in and perform well. So, as long as Ireland can provide a defensively solid performance push up high up the pitch as well i think in the early exchanges see if we can maybe get a bit of pressure on england defensively and ultimately i'd like to see a goal from ireland at all but it's a daunting task i don't see us winning but as long as we're competitive i'll be quite happy coming out of that fixture to be honest joe the welsh friendly uh, against england before we played them in the nations league only a month ago ended in a three nil win for what was a very experimental England side, and they followed that up with a 2-1 victory over one of the best teams in the world right now, Belgium, uh, before losing to Denmark. So they'll want to get that loss off their back, and unfortunately we're the deer in the headlights. Phil, look at the squad. It's pretty obvious Stephen Kenny doesn't listen to the podcast because he's gone against my advice, and he's still only picking 
seven players in defence and there's no call-ups for any of the goalkeepers that are currently playing regularly for their clubs. I'm thinking of Danny Rogers and Sean McDermott. Looking at the team, do you think that we can finally break that goalless streak? Can we get a goal against England at Wembley? I think we can, but I think it'll only be, you know, in return of them putting maybe four or five past us. I think this is a disaster of a fixture. I feel so sorry for Stephen Kenny. As you said, he's played how many competitive games with really no easy, friendly fixture in between for him to catch a break or maybe experiment a bit more. And I can only imagine what he thought when he got the phone call to say, oh, we've, we've lined up with England. You know, they're one of the best teams in the world at the moment. And you say, obviously, it's sad not to see more players in the squad that we haven't seen, but there's no such thing as a friendly against England. Like, you just absolutely can't leave Anthem to chance because you could get hammered and they could get hammered. And I would comfortably say, looking at our squad and looking at their squad, that this is the biggest gap between us ever in 30, 40 years. Like, there's not one player in their squad that wouldn't walk into our first 11, bar Jordan Pickford. Every single other player walks into our first team. We'd have any of them. And it's daunting. I know we're not scoring, but, you know, they could, they're at home and they have so many goals in the team. And as you said, they need a bit of a G up of a win. And then you have, you know, the likes of Rice and Grealish, who are trying to nail down a squad spot, I suppose, in the season leading up to a major tournament. Like, it's daunting. The only thing I can hope is that we do what we always do. We raise our game when we play a huge team and keep it tight at the back and put in a performance that is above what we're used to. The only worry there is... We currently have Shane Duffy, who's lost all confidence and is having a huge wobbler. So that kind of compounds my fears. I'd be very worried. Yeah, looking through that England squad, I think the only players on our squad that you could argue about getting into their squad is Coleman and Doherty, I think. And the goalkeepers wouldn't get a look in if Darren Randolph might get in as third-choice goalkeeper. And then across the rest of this, the team, it would just be uh, all players wearing the three lines. Stephen Kenny tried to brush off questions about Declan Rice and, and Jack Grealish, who uh, obviously came through the Irish underage setup and before deciding to change their international allegiance to England. It's probably another distraction that he could do without and he did say in an interview that he wants to establish a better route for underage players to push through to the senior team. And, you know, if you look at the squad, that, that doesn't really bear things out. I mean, Adam Ida is the only player, doesn't only player under 20. There's only four players, four other outfield players in the squad under the age of 25. That's Ronan Curtis, Aaron Connolly, Jason Malumbi, and... Dara O'Shea and uh, the two backup keepers, Mark Travers and Cuevin Kelleher, are both 21. We're going to discuss the under-21 squad later on, uh, but even in that, you're not really sure uh, who who we could be talking about as promoting, like, uh, who are these sort of flight-risk players that are dual or even triple qualified uh, for other international associations and should we, should they be promoted to the, the national side? Looking ahead to after England then, we're 
facing uh, Wales in, in Cardiff and Bulgaria back in Dublin in the final two group games in the Nations League. Wales possibly in a bit of disarray at the moment after allegations with their manager and Ryan Giggs will not be in charge uh, for the fixture uh, against Ireland, but they're going to have Gareth Bale back, whose lone move at Tottenham hasn't really taken off yet. Uh, I know he scored, but he was taken off with his, with a, a minor injury at the weekend. Mark, how do you think things are going to go uh, against the Welsh? I suppose uh, simple fact is, let's see how Wembley goes first, I would say, guys. And I hope, I think as Phillips kind of alluded to that, our performance peaks a little bit, particularly with the English, you know, we kind of know all the English players, so hopefully we don't get a thumping. If we do get a thumping, then God, that Welsh game then suddenly becomes a pretty arduous affair. And I know the Welsh, you know, you've mentioned about the whole Ryan Giggs situation, they still got a quality squad. And I think they had an awful lot more in them, given our first kind of tussle with them. I mean, it was a complete bore of a game, but they've struggled, Wales, in this campaign to break teams down. That would be my only kind of point here that, you know, Ireland could maybe kind of nick a result here. But again, I think it's all down to the morale after that Wembley game. You know, it's such a banana skin fixture against England because, dare I say, if we do get 3-4-5-0, no goal again, does that pressure get heaped on, unfortunately, on Stephen Kenny and management and a bit of a siege mentality then starting to circle? So I think the Welsh game... Hopefully we can get something out of it. I think that Bulgaria is the key game, guys, because, I mean, we need to beat Bulgaria at home, preserve our kind of group status here. I think it would be an unmitigated disaster if we got relegated again to another level down. So I hopefully would target a win against Bulgaria, give Stephen Kenny a bit of breathing space. Welsh game, I think we might be comfortable enough trying to get a draw out of it. You know, we kind of know the Welsh guys inside out as well. But again, it's all hinging on Thursday an awful lot, isn't it, guys? Just in terms of the performance and how the game goes, I think really has a major bearing on how the next two games will go after. Finland are facing Bulgaria in Sofia the same night that we play Wales before coming to Dublin for that final group game in Aviva Stadium. They're bottom of the group right now behind us with only a point and they lost to Finland when they played them in Helsinki. 2-0, uh, Taylor and Jensen with the goals in, in the second half. Like us, they've struggled to score. They've only got the, the one goal. They've conceded five. So you would hope that we can finally get the, the first win under Stephen Kenny uh, in that final group fixture. If we don't, and if we're relegated to League C, bearing in mind that we only stayed in League B, because UEFA reshuffles the group layouts uh, after the first Nations League two years ago, be a disaster. I mean, we're currently among a group who have failed to get a win in the Nations League at all. So after four games in the last tournament and four games so far with two to come, if we still have a, a zero in the, the W column, it's not going to look well. And on top of all that, the draw for the World Cup qualifying stages is currently scheduled for early December. And the results against England, Wales and Bulgaria in November are going to have a bearing. We're currently the 20th team <coughs> ranked in UEFA and the lowest ranked side in the second pot. So a string of bad results from these three games could see us into the third seed 
and facing an uphill battle to qualify for the World Cup in Qatar in 2022. Phil, how do you think things are going to go uh, against Wales and Bulgaria? It's hard to know. As Mark said, it all really hinges on the game on Thursday against England. Do we need a friendly against England? We're well into the season now. And if it was a case of not playing a friendly or playing a friendly against England, I think the answer was not to play a friendly at all. Because what happens on Thursday is going to have a huge effect on what happens against Wales or how this team goes out and performs. Because if they do get well bet on Thursday, I suppose it all depends on the manner of, of how they play. Like, I'm not saying they won't get a draw, but like if they go out and they're totally outclassed and you get, you know, half of the country saying, well, look at Stephen Kenny, he's trying to get them to pass around the ball and they've been beaten 4-0 by England. We should have just kept it tight and lumped it long. That adds to the pressure on the team going into that Wales game. And I know you mentioned Gareth Bale, but like Gareth Bale loves Wales and Gareth Bale always delivers for Wales. And they're at home and a win puts them in a seriously good position for qualifying. And I don't think they're going to mess it up, to be honest with you. I think we have a draw for us against Wales is a great result. Yeah. And then you're just down to the Bulgaria game. And you can hope at that stage, if it hasn't gone too badly against England, that we can get maybe a win, a couple of goals and go from there. But, but a lot of it, as Mark said, depends on performance on Thursday night. Totally. Un- and, and as you mentioned, Joe, with the way the pots are with the World Cup qualifying group, just totally unnecessary to be playing a team like England. It's baffling, really. Yeah, I was a bit surprised with some of the comments from Stephen Kenny in his press conference. Uh, he said, I can't get fixated on the minutiae of World Cup seeding points. We just had to focus on playing well against England, against Wales, and after that quick Thursday-Sunday turnaround, and then the game against Bulgaria in Dublin on Wednesday. Now, I'm not saying I want him to be focused on seeding points. Performances and results are what you expect your manager to, to be focusing on, and then the seeding points take care of themselves. But He's bricking it. As the 20th ranked side in Europe at the moment, and holding on to that last second seed spot by our fingertips, I wanted to be aware of the impact that a bad performance in the England game and the lasting effect that it could have, regardless of how we do against uh, Wales and Bulgaria. Mark mentioned it earlier, and David McGoldrick's unexpected retirement came out of nowhere the day before the squad was announced, and it can't have made the preparation for the fixtures any easier. And I know he's not a young player, but he is 32, and you'd think he would at least have seen out these last three games before retiring. He came into the international game very late, but he showed under Mick McCarthy and uh, under Stephen Kenny so far what he can do and what he can offer the side. And people say that, well, maybe Troy Parrott would be able to play that same target man role, but yeah, there's nobody else available to us right now that can do that. I know James Collins has been called into the squad. I know he, he scored on his debut, and I know he's on a good scoring return for Luton this season and they're doing well in the championship but he's not as good as David McGoldrick yeah it was a big shock that he announced when he announced it but having taken the time to look at it this Nations League campaign is done 
And really, we're going to be looking now to the World Cup qualifying, which is a whole new campaign. You know, he was probably going to retire anyway coming up to that because he's 33 in November. He's had serious injuries. And if I'm him and I'm his manager, you're kind of looking at the Wales and the Bulgaria game saying, well, like, you can't really get anything out of it. And you're looking at the next two fixtures, which are England and Wales. And as I said before, there's no friendly with England. And especially the Wales game. Wales-Ireland games are rough. Like, we've seen Seamus Coleman break his leg. So he's probably thought, there's no need for me to be playing these games. And as sad as it is, I can kind of understand it with the two fixtures coming up. As far as his replacement, I really don't know what we're going to do unless he kind of thinks about change of formation. Like Opafemi is in the under-21s, but he can't play up, up front by himself. I don't know, compare play up front by himself. Ida is really the only option at the moment, or Connolly. So we're really short in options. Like I know you mentioned James Collins. James Collins is the type of player who score goals all day at his level. He's a bit like Park Almond at Newport. He'll bang them in all season, but like he cannot make the step up. They just can't. So I think we're really stuck with Obafemi, Paris, Ida, Connolly. We have four players there. We need to hope one of them just takes and gets going and gets us a few goals. Which one of of them it's going to be, it's hard to know. That's up to Stephen Kenny. This is Stephen Kenny's problem now. It's been every manager's problem before him, and it's his problem now. It's up to him to try and sort it the best he can. Mark, looking at the squad, as I said earlier, there's seven defenders, there's seven midfielders, and there's eight players listed as forwards, including James McLean, Callum O'Dowda, Darrell Horgan, who wouldn't really be recognised as strikers. So do you think he's going to persist with the... 4-3-3 formation or because he's not going to have his regular starting fullback Andy Stevens available might he switch to a, a 3-5-2 or a 3-4-3 I think he might have to be consistent about it Joe um, I think it's a bit of a risk changing your formation in Wembley particularly yeah and I think the other part on the squad and this is the worry for me is that quite a few of these guys have not had an awful lot of first team football I'm talking here in terms of Jason Malumbi you know, this podcast we've had had such high hopes for him, particularly after his stint with Millwall last season, and it's gone terribly wrong at Brighton and Hove Albion. You know, when you have Ben White, basically a central defender, a specialised central defender ahead of you in a first-team match squad for the AEPL, you start to ask questions if you were Jason. So there's a few guys in that bracket as well that haven't had significant game time, which I'm a little bit concerned about. So I suppose to answer your question, Joel, I still think he'll go 4-3-3. Three, three. Uh, there's no reason for Kenny now to literally change that formation, particularly in this set of games. I think fundamentally he's looking at Adamita pretty much as your, your target man right now. James Collins is there as your backup for sure. And then you can have Aaron Connolly, you know, another guy who has had precious game minutes since that Finland League of Nations game. So he'll go 4-3-3, three, three, but I suppose the question mark here would be in terms of the sharpness of some of these players coming into that game, particularly that England game. But yeah, 43, I think for me, will be the formation he'll continue to pick. Jack Byrne, unfortunately, had to pull out of the, the last squad after contracting COVID. He's recovered and appeared for his club, Shamrock Rovers, since then. He's the only League of Ireland player in the squad, which I'm a little surprised by. Dundalk haven't managed to win a game yet in their Europa League group stage, but they have put in some impressive performances. And I was thinking maybe Sean Murray or David McMillan could be in line for a call-up, but 
for whatever reason he hasn't decided to call up any League of Ireland player. Byrne still hasn't made an appearance for the new manager. Do you think we're going to see him make his bow for Kenny in these three games? Oh, you'd hope so. Definitely with the Bulgarian game. God, you'd hope that would be so well in hand in that game that Jack Byrne would get a cameo for sure. Like, if he doesn't get a game time here, seriously, guys, in the next three games, what's the point in selecting Jack Byrne? Nobody's really kind of posed that question seriously to Stephen Kenny. Why would you include a guy like Jack Byrne, who's very talented and everything else, but not really have, you know, not very keen on him when it comes to the crunch? These three games, I think, you know, I think realistically, the England game, will he get a 20-minute cameo? Maybe. The Wales game, you know, you just never know how the game would go, but definitely against Bulgaria, guys. You should be kind of looking to maybe integrate. If if Stephen Kenny really truly believes in Jack Byrne, then I think the Bulgarian game, you should be seeing at least some significant game time just to kind of show what he's worth. Otherwise, it's seen as, from my perspective, a bit of a token measure for the League of Ireland. Phil, there was no indication from the manager if there's any players on standby in case of injury or suspension or you know, we could see someone else get sick after sitting in the wrong seat again. That's, There's no planes, thank God. No planes. Maybe they <laughs> take the boat. Jack Burns to fly over by himself. Is there anyone that's caught your eye outside of the squad that you you, know, you thought might have uh, a shout of being called up? I'm surprised Jason Knight's not in it. That's really it, to be honest with you. There's not too many players pulling up trees this season for us so far. Like there's a few in the under twenty ones that we'll talk about later, uh, Jack Taylor at Peterborough. But like there's not many headline grabbers. And just to go back to the Jack Byrne thing, judging by how Kenny's been already with him, I think the only way we see Jack Byrne against England is if we're four 0 down on the sixty minute mark, and he just says to hell with it. But I, I can't see him coming on otherwise because if it is tight. He's just not a player he's going to bring on. Like He was the perfect sub against Slovakia and he didn't bring him on. So I just can't see him getting game time against England as long as the the game is still live. You know, we're still in with a shot. So no, unless it's a shop window situation and he, and he puts him in for that. But it's very hard to see it. And as Mark said, what is the point of having him in the squad? Otherwise, it, I'm sure there's someone else that can be put in instead of him that he could give minutes to if he doesn't fancy him that much. But yeah, there's not too many players outside of the squad, to go back to your original question, that are pulling up any trees. Actually, Cuevin Kelleher in the squad is a strange one. Gavin is playing week in, week out now. Cuevin Kelleher is, is not. I saw um, Stephen Kenny's comments about Allison's injury, scuppering a loan move to the Eredivisie, and that would have been brilliant for him. But he should be actively looking now to get out at Christmas time. That injury to Allison has had some unfortunate repercussions for Cleveland Keller and you know we hope that he, he does manage to secure a move away from Liverpool in the January transfer window. If they continue as they are in the Champions League, he's been named on the bench a couple of times, so there's an outside chance that he could make an appearance in maybe the last fixture. But in when you think that he's three years older than Gavin Bazunu and Gavin Bazunu has played more senior club football than he has already. A move is very much in his, his best interests. Uh, I was looking as well at the starting eleven from the last game against Finland and Sean Maguire started. He came off uh, with a little over half an hour to go in the second half and he's not even in the squad this time. 
Shane Long was named on the bench, he didn't come on, which I was a little surprised by. You know, he made four substitutions out of the five that he was permitted, and Shane Long might have done something. I'm not saying I disagree, I disagree with the substitutions that he did make, I'm just thinking that if you had that option of bringing Shen Long on, for, even for the last five minutes, you know, why didn't he take it? So if you move away from the, the senior team and look at the under-21s who have two qualifiers starting next weekend against Iceland, and after the result against Italy in the, the last round of fixtures, losing 2-0 in Pisa, we've two must-win games. Uh, we're facing Iceland, who beat us in Reykjavik earlier in the qualifiers, and we'll be traveling to to Luxembourg to to face the the team bottom of the group where we'd expected to be getting uh, a healthy win. The squad uh, has some new call-ups. Uh, Mark McGuinness uh, of Arsenal is currently on loan at Ipswich, gets his first call-up. Troy Paris, Michael Ovafemi, and Neil Connor, who all have appearances for the, the senior team. Um, so it's, I think defensively, it's a little weak. It's, as we, it's weak in the sense that it's not as strong as midfield uh, and up front. But I, uh, I fancy us to get two wins from the two games. But that still not might be enough to qualify. We need to be among the five best runners-up across the groups to make it to the final tournament. And we're currently the fifth best of the, the nine teams that are available. And unfortunately, we've played at least one game more than every team below us, apart from Austria. But Mark... It would be a real disaster for the under-21s to not qualify for the tournament in Hungary and Slovenia next year. But after that result in Italy, we're depending on them dropping points in their final set of fixtures against Luxembourg, Sweden and Iceland. It's a horrible situation to be in where your fate is out of your hands. Do you think that Jim Crawford's team can do it? I think they can. That Iceland game on Thursday against Italy for Iceland is going to be their cup final. And depending on the result there, it really will drive their performance in Ireland, you know, when they come to Dublin on Sunday. Look, Iceland are very competent side. I'm looking at their fixture list here and, you know, they started the group pretty strong. Beat Luxembourg 3-0. Armenia down 10 players for vast majority, 1-6-1. They did hit the rocky patch. Sweden beat them 5-0 at home. And then Italy did t- took care of them 3-0 in Italy. But they have grinded results out here. Again, they'll be very well organised. And we've seen it firsthand. Stephen Kenny was managing the under-21s in Reykjavik. And Iceland, they were very well organised. Set-piece-wise, very strong. Good technically as well. This is going to be a serious game for Ireland. Um, and uh, uh, you mentioned results going, other, you know, dependency on results. Really, from a Republic of Ireland standpoint, the performance has to be so much better compared to what it was against Italy in Pisa. I think enough of the media outlets thought this was a case of just maybe turning up on the day when the under, Italy under-21s were basically withdrawn just due to COVID. But the under-20s, they took their opportunities superbly well, all the team to a man. And really, we were very one-paced throughout the game. There was no real intensity, and then we got ripped asunder in the counter-attack uh, once we went one nil down. I think from Drink Crawford's perspective, it's really setting the team up right, um, getting Ireland on front football, uh, really. And if we can get over Iceland, now Iceland have the two-day kind of turnaround against us. We have every chance of beating Iceland on Sunday. And then ultimately leading to the Luxembourg game, we have to take care of business. And then let's see what, how the dice rolls. But I'd be confident... But that Iceland game is going to be a huge one. And I think for Iceland, 
an awful lot will depend on Thursday. If they don't get the result against Italy on Thursday, I can see maybe a demoralised uh, Icelandic under-21 team coming to Dublin, and that can only be good news for us. Well, one point behind us in the group is Sweden, and there would be the same amount of games played, and they're away to Armenia and then uh, away to Italy, and I think those two Italy fixtures, away to Iceland and home to Sweden, are going to decide the group, and they're going to decide if the Ireland team uh, are either qualify as group winners or go as a second place side. If Sweden can get a result in Pisa, we could overtake Italy at the top of the group. If Italy win, then they're more likely going to be group winners. At the moment, we could finish anywhere between first and fourth in that group. How do you think things are going to go in the final two games? We're more than capable of um, of beating Iceland. I agree with everything Mark says. Going back to the Italy game, it was just a strange time for anyone playing football, it seemed. Results were topsy-turvy and all over the place. And I would have loved to have been a fly in the wall during the team talk for that game and, and just see how well prepared that Ireland team was because I think that defeat caught everyone on the hop. And it was a case of them maybe thinking that they were going to have it easier. Not easy, but, you know, we're just coming out here to do a job and let's get it done. But they need a result and they need to give themselves every chance of qualifying. They need to win their games, basically. Like it's the most obvious thing in the world. But they need to turn up and beat Iceland. And they can. The squad is good enough for them to be beating Iceland. And then hopefully things can, can go well elsewhere for them. You mentioned Sweden there. Like Sweden have, I know they've a game played more, but like they've 27 goals. Their goal difference is huge. But just going back to the Iceland game, yeah, they can win. And a good win then, hopefully, the Iceland can take something off Italy for us, maybe. You know, you'd imagine Sweden will be beating Armenia, so. Yeah, Sweden put 10 past Armenia last game at home. <laughs> so. That's pumped that up, so. Yeah, so. That's it. Yeah. fancy their chances. In their, in their three away games so far, Iceland have lost 3-0 to Italy, they've lost 5-0 to Sweden, and beat Luxembourg 2-0. So... They haven't been great on the road. They have a short turnaround after the Italy game. I think we can definitely get three points against them. Uh, we're going to be coming into the game much more rested and prepared. Uh, we won't, not only is it a short turnaround, there's also flights involved, which I know we can only make maybe a one or two percent difference, but a one or two percent difference can be, is the difference between winning and losing a game. Look, we wish Jim Crawford's men all the very best, and we hope that in two weeks' time, we're talking about our plans to watch the team in the tournaments next summer in Hungary and Slovenia, if it goes ahead. We wish Jim Crawford's men the very best in the two games, and of course Stephen Kenny's team in their three games in November. Uh, we hope to be back in a couple of weeks talking about the draw for the World Cup, the teams that we're hoping to face, and the teams that we're hoping to avoid as second seeds. I'd like to thank Mark from Hawkeye Psychic. You can follow him on Twitter at at Hawkeye Psychic and Phil from the bottom is Pit of Football. You can follow me at Irish underscore abroad and we'll talk to you soon. Okay.